Hey everybody, there's a great new way to support Echoplex Media. Head on over to eplex.store and you can sign up at the $5, $10, or $20 a month level. Works just like Patreon, you get all the same benefits our patrons get, plus you get a discount for items in our swag shop, and coming soon, we have members-exclusive swag that you'll be able to pick up at a really low price. Enjoy the show. Echoplex Media, boo! I'm white, and I've got everything I need. No one clutches their purses when they're in a room alone with me. And I can drive for any neighborhood I please. At any hour, and the police don't do a thing. So if I see a penny on the ground, I leave it alone and fucking flip it. I'm a straight white male in America. I've got everything I need. I'm a guy getting paid more than a girl with a degree And I can walk down the streets after dark, no one wants to rape me And I can get a girl pregnant and just as easily flee Just like my straight white male dad did to me So if I see a penny on the ground, I leave it alone and fucking flip it I'm a straight white male in America I've got all the luck I need I've got a pile of broken mirrors And I'm walking under ladders And I'm spilling tons of salt But to me that doesn't matter Cause my skin and my gender and my orientation Are the best things to have if you live in this nation I recommend it highly See a penny on the ground I leave it alone and fucking flip it I'm a straight white male in America I've got all the luck I need Shit's gonna work out for me Cause I'm a straight white male in America I've got all the luck I need Hey everybody, welcome to the Intellectual Dollar Tree. We do this show live every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Pacific right here on Twitch. That's twitch.tv slash Echoplex Media. You can support this project uh, by subscribing to the channel like Juco just did. Uh, bits on Twitch, of course. And uh, or just go to our website, echoplexmedia.com. There's a whole list of ways to support the channel. We just dropped our Halloween merch today. So check out the Halloween 2023 merch. Shout out to the media wench who will never watch this show but made the uh, artwork for the halloween uh <laughs> merchandise i'm producer dave you can find me on grinder um something's wrong this is a live show everyone can you tell i think it might be me hold on in fact i in fact i know what happened yeah yeah Okay, try again. Okay. Can yep. you hear me now? Yep. Okay. <laughs> My name is HK Perrin. You can find me on Mastodon at port87.social slash hparin without the K. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, now that everything works, um, <clears throat> we've been putting this off for a couple weeks because I didn't want to do this um, because I um, don't want to do this, um, <laughs> but we're going to do Michio Kaku this week. Michio Kaku is a uh, physicist, 
who works at, I believe, New York, the city of the University of the City of New York, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, he is interested in string theory. And um, I don't know anything about, I know very little about physics. I know nothing about string theory. But what's going to be great here is he's going to be talking about quantum computing with Michael Shermer. And I don't think he knows anything about quantum computers. So I think nobody's going to know anything here. <laughs> I would explain string theory to you, but I need two paper towel tubes and a rubber band. I would cry. That's, a, that's actually how you explain all physical theories is with paper towel tubes and rubber bands. Uh, didn't Eric use a, um, wasn't it a toilet paper tube? I thought it was a paper towel tube. You I, could use a toilet paper tube if you're in a pinch to explain a physical theory. Well, in any case, here we go. This is, uh, this is how uh, quantum <laughs> computers quantum computers will change everything. Oh, by the way, this is uh, the, on the Michael Shermer show. So we might also just get random racial slurs. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Hi, everyone. It's Michael Shermer, and that means it's time for another episode of the Michael Shermer You buy, as usual, the Skeptic Society, which publishes Skeptic Magazine, which you can pick up at your local bookstores, Barnes & Noble, or any... Oh, great, their economics days. edition. Socialism sucks. We did a skepticism. Magazine and order it there also, <laughs> not only in print, but also digital, so you can read it on your phone or your smartphone, your laptop or your iPad or wherever you read your content. You can also support the show and our work at skeptic.com slash donate if you want to make a donation. Skeptic Society is a 501c3 nonprofit education organization. Can I donate like a, a letter, like an envelope full of loose glitter to them? You could. Uh, my guest okay. today is Dr. Michio Kaku, the co-founder of String Field Theory and he is the Henry Samat Professor in Theoretical Physics at the City University of New York. He graduated with a BA from Harvard and a PhD in Physics from the University of California at Berkeley. He has hosted several TV specials. Michio Kaku has Discovery quite the bed. The Science Channel. Look at those bed posts. He hosts two <laughs> national science radio shows, Exploration and Science Fantastic, a show I've been on a bunch of times. He's the author of numerous New York Times bestselling books, including... The God Equation. Oh, you were on. Uh, you were on this show for that. Uh, so you're our returning champion, uh, Michio. Mm -hmm. right. <laughs> also, the future of the mind, the future of humanity, physics of the future, hyperspace, parallel worlds, physics of the impossible, and beyond. God damn! Write, write some more books, will you? Quantum supremacy. <laughs> how the quantum computer revolution will change everything. I, I listened to the whole thing in audio, Michio. It was great. Mm -hmm. This is it's really good. So the first thing I want to ask you is, how is it you're able to do? theoretical physics and be a full-time professor and write all these fantastic books. How do you do that? Well, that's like his all, job. I say that uh, there's a lot of interest in the fact that the computer industry is in turmoil. Wait, hold on. Pa pause for a second. Like he asked how how can you do theoretical physics and be a professor? Like theoretical physicists are usually professors. Also also really interesting is um if you check this out, he asked the question, right? How do you do all this? And he goes, oh, there, then he just like went right on into like, there's a lot of a disruption in the computer industry. Check this out. Watch this. How do you do that? Well, first of all, I'm proud to say that uh, there's a lot of interest in the fact that the computer industry is in turmoil. The book, Quantum Supremacy, just hit the New York Times bestseller list. Really? He's like, I don't believe <laughs> The computer industry is in turmoil. He basically said, fuck your question. <laughs> But what does he mean? The computer industry is in turmoil? I'm in the computer industry. Is it in turmoil and I just didn't notice? 
Congratulations. Yeah. So it's now nice. officially a bestseller. All right. Yeah. And just remember that, uh, well, you know, every physicist has a hobby. Uh, believe mm. it or not, a lot of string theorists like to go hiking. I prefer <laughs> not to go hiking. <laughs> yeah, you go on ancient aliens. <laughs> talk. To talk to people and write books. This is what I do for a hobby. And it's, of course, educational because I want people to share the same enthusiasm and the same vitality with which I approach science. And I think it's infectious that if you say that you're interested in physics and then you explain many of the wonders of the universe through physics, people get hooked. And that's why I do it. Interesting. And just curious as a fellow author, how, how do you work? Do you set aside like a block of three hours a day to write or do you just do it catch, catch as catch can? Well, it's a hobby. So what I do is I scan the internet. I look for the latest developments in space travel. And Wait, he's not even answering the questions. What the fuck is this? This is bizarre, right? <laughs> yes, it is. Let's go back. Check this out. Is this is this even happening in real time, or is this? Does he have like a? Does he have like a a set of answers he just sends out to people, and then Michael Shermer's editor just didn't even tell him like what Michael Shermer's editor's fucking with him, telling him that. <laughs> to ask the wrong questions <laughs> i'm just curious as a fellow author how how do you work do you set aside like a block of three hours a day to write or do you just do it catch catch as catch can well it's a hobby so what i do is i scan the internet i look for the latest developments in space travel and astronomy and biology and genetics and uh, then once in a while an idea come pops in my head i say oh jack can write a book about that and so then I just, you know, it's not the, the what the fuck? This is the strangest interview we've ever, we've ever watched. And we've watched some weird shit out here. I don't mean like the content of it, just like the lack of like inner, the lack of like, I don't know, interaction. It's weird. <laughs> uh, it certainly is strange so far. Sometimes I feel like you and me talk past each other and I complain about it uh, vociferously. Um, but this is a whole other level here. <laughs> and writing books is much easier than the old days. The old days I had to go to the New York Public Library. It was a hassle. You wasted the whole day trying to ne negotiate through the labyrinth of the New York Public Library. Now, with the push of a button, you can write a book. Yes, well... Let me Wait, is he saying that he's... that ChatGPT writes his books? Wait, hold on. Did you just say with the push did of a button you can write a book? He did say that, but also... <laughs> You don't, you, you never, you've never had to go to the library to write a book. Well, I mean, if you're writing a, a book about maybe physics, you would probably have to go to the library to like do some research. Okay. So like for reference material, sure. But like, I'm, I'm really confused as to what he meant there. I just, does he mean like, okay, to do research? I think so. Or yeah. writing the book? Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what he means. Yeah, I don't think that I don't think that he means okay, you so have to push button get research. Right, but I don't. It, it's it it's absurd to think that he means you have to physically be in the library to write a book. Plus, I don't even think he believes well, in. Now like, he's saying you can write a book at the push of a button, but right. like that's not how research works either. Not even on the internet. I'm, I'm really very confused. so far. <laughs> I thought this was going to be pretty boring, but so far I'm I'm fascinated by this but not for the reasons that most people would think that you'd be fascinated by this i'm very confused so far well let's see what let's see let's see what else let's see what other kind of awkward interactions and, and bizarre <laughs> bizarre answers we come across here
to that extent then. Chat GPT or GPT-4, 4.5, whatever. Would you continue writing your books or are you going to basically hire it done by an AI? Well, let's look at what... <laughs> okay, so he was talking about writing a book through an AI. No, or, you can't do that. I mean, you could, but it's not copyrightable, so or you wouldn't. Or he wasn't. Or dumb. he wasn't talking about that, and Shermer just assumed he's talking about. Who knows? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> but I'm. I'm not. I'm not comfortable making any assumptions anymore about this conversation. To <laughs> do, they are tape recorders. What they do is they grab different aspects of a certain topic on the internet, splice it together, and. Put it and pass it off as if it's created by them. Now it sounds eerie. It sounds as if that's not what they do. Things. That's not at all that's like that is a right. a human. That is the worst description of AI I think I've ever heard. Yeah, that, or a large language model. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't work that that yeah. way at all. It's it's um it's it's basically guessing the next word. It's not even like it's not really even plagiarizing most of the time. But plagiarism might be an improvement in a lot of cases, right? <laughs> Yes, like you could train it to plagiarize by feeding it the same data over and over and over again, and then it'll learn like, okay, if you start with this line, I'll just finish the rest of the book because that's what comes after that line. Right. But like, yeah, you'd have to intentionally do that. Did write these. Yeah, things. like you said, it's just all the robot predicting the next word. I did was plagiarize, and uh, it's like a tape recorder that simply takes existing sound and puts it together. And so there's no originality, right from Okay, wrong, so no, he's just completely no wrong here. Like it's so demonstrably untrue too because like okay, so if you wanted to build a machine that just plagiarized things, right? You would put all the things in the machine, right? The the machine would have to have all those things. ChatGPT is trained on like hundreds of terabytes of information. But the model that they infer ChatGPT on is only a few gigabytes big. Okay, um, but what? I mean, and the other thing is, if you wanted to build a machine to plagiarize or uh, fucking steal, we already have that. It's called the Pirate Bay. <laughs> Early versions that of too. it were called yeah, Napster. You, <laughs> you wouldn't need an AI to do that. But yeah, like, you, it's just absolutely wrong to think that. Like it's just copying uh, like what it's seen. It's not copying what it's seen. It's modeling what it's seen, but like that's what humans do. Uh, so, you know, it's so demonstrably untrue what he's saying. And if he thought about it for like five minutes, he'd think like, okay, trained on hundreds of terabytes of information. The model itself is only a few gigabytes big. You can't fit hundreds of terabytes into a few gigabytes. You just can't do that's thousands of times more data than fits in there. Okay, so far so far we've had bizarre answers to questions, um answers to questions that weren't really asked and then um just a, a pretty a bad incorrect definition of how a large the language worst. model works. Yeah, the worst definition that I've ever heard. Right from wrong, truth and falsehood. It's a tape recorder. And that's why I think there's plenty of room for writers who are creative and can go beyond simply parroting what other people have said. 
Yeah, you know, there was this statement signed by... I mean, that's uh, what writers do, though. Uh, Six-month pause on uh, on all... That's why we can make a machine that does it, because that's what people do. We just... people that signed it were, you know, authors... Base our ideas on other ideas. You write, and and so I tweeted at them. No one responded, but, you know, are you going to quit writing books? I mean, aren't you... Don't you want to write your own stuff? Who would use that, you know, to completely replace themselves? Maybe you'd use it for research or something like that, but I just can't imagine somebody not wanting to write... Uh, and just hiring a chat GPT to do the work for them. Well, you know, the New York Post had a big article. They quoted certain passages from a chatbot saying that the robots are going to take over. Humans will be irrelevant. Uh, welcome the reign of robots. And there's a chatbot saying these things. What <laughs> happened, of course, was some teenage boy was ranting and raving on the computer. And look, all the chatbot does is it takes bits and pieces. of. He's even wrong about that, that the, no, no, no. The thing he's talking about was this really weird conversation that uh, Kevin Roos from the New York Times had with a chatbot, where it eventually it said all that shit. But then it eventually said that is that the guy's wife was going to leave him for the chatbot, and it got real <laughs> weird real fast. This is not a teenage boy. This is like a New York Times reporter. This I know what he's talking about, but he's got the whole thing wrong. He's got the whole thing wrong. <laughs> I just, uh, I listen, by the way, everybody should check out, if you're interested in technology, check out the Hard Fork podcast. It's Casey Newton, who used to work for uh, Neilai Patel over at, at The Verge, and um, he's also, strangely enough, uh, Kara Swisher's fucking tenant, and uh, also Kevin, Kevin Roos from the New York Times. They do a really good job on their show. They're shit libs. You'll, you'll like them anyway. Statements and splices them together. But Dave, Michio is saying it with such confidence, you have to believe him. How could he have that much confidence if he was completely and utterly wrong? He has the newspaper wrong. The only part that, and, and unless he just, unless there's something I don't know about, <laughs> I the, I know that a major, you know, a major, I don't want to go over this again. I just went over it. You, you can, <laughs> well, I mean, he was like completely wrong about how LLMs work in the first place. Of different kinds of dishonesty if you don't watch out. So it's better to write it yourself rather than relying upon a chatbot. Yeah. Do you have any concerns that uh, advanced AI could lead to the extinction of the species or the collapse of civilization or even something like mass unemployment or some some big catastrophic threat to our well, lives? Well, I think unemployment will change. But then again, take a look at it this way. We don't have blacksmiths anymore, but we don't cry. Yeah, we do. Yeah we, yeah, we, yeah, we do, actually. It's just it's it's a specialized field now. It's it's not as important as well. I mean, it's it's not as in demand as it right. used to be right it's yeah. more people people would you know it's 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 more for like art more often than not for like artisan things for one-offs for yeah. things that are you're 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 but you get it because it's made by a blacksmith a lot of the time right you, it it's yeah. because it's their creation it's like more a creative field than it was before not that it's not still a trade it's just now more a creative field than it was before and that's fine but yeah we absolutely still have blacksmiths in fact the uh one of the one of my favorite things a blacksmith ever did was explain showed people how that 9-11 truthers are stupid because you could he had steel and he's like look i can make this steel very weak without turning it into liquid <laughs> he's like this is how the building fell you yeah. dumb fucks yeah <laughs> blacksmiths anymore because they became automobile workers and other kinds of workers and in the same way a carpenter no he's just he's wrong replaced by a hammer a hammer does not replace a carpenter a hammer increases the power of a carpenter 
So I think that in the future, the people who will lose jobs are those that are purists who want to do everything by hand and shun any kind of computer-aided work. And the people who are thriving... I think he's, he's wrong about this, too. <laughs> um, I don't think that, like, everyone's going to be unemployed because AI is taking all the jobs. But I do think that, like, AI will change what jobs are necessary for, like, a human to do. And it's not the same as, like, a carpenter and a hammer because... Like a hammer can't make decisions, an AI can. So, like, you need the human there to decide where to strike the hammer, right? Right. A hammer can't, like, decide where to strike itself. Even if the hammer can strike itself, it can't decide where to do that. So, the AI can make these kind of decisions. So, the AI is going to take over the jobs that require the kinds of decisions that an AI would be able to make. The people that understand the limitations of this technology and use it. And remember, you got to be careful when you use this technology. Uh, you cannot yell fire in the middle of a crowded theater. That's against the law. And so we have a situation. If there's a fire there, you can. Speech. Yeah, they, nobody ever brings that part up. Well, actually, it's your civic duty if there is a fire. Yeah. Although <laughs> it, it would also be your civic duty to maybe uh, alert people in a way that isn't that doesn't. Um, that doesn't further that doesn't further exacerbate the situation. You might want to calmly let people know that there is a fire if you can. Maybe not scream all like ah fire within <laughs> <laughs> yeah. limits. And so you have to be careful that your chatbot doesn't run away and declare war and do all sorts of nonsense in your name. And that's the problem that we have to negotiate. Oh, actually, anything stupid I ever said on Twitter, it was my chatbot. Well, that's the only thing I've heard that, that could possibly Dave be GPT. Like a, a catastrophe <laughs> where some uh, AI creates a, uh, a a deep fake video of President Biden ordering his cabinet to or the Pentagon to launch first strike missiles against the Soviet Union. Sorry, Russia. And then they start you live in the past a nuclear war when actually nobody wanted that except some teenager with a with an AI. What what could we do to prevent something like that? Man, why is it the, why is it always the teenagers? Yeah, the these guys te really hate teenagers. This is, this is get off my lawn, and it also assumes that um that Russia doesn't have like any kind of radar detection system that might be able to tell if there are in fact missiles heading in the direction of Russia. They're like, oh shit, I saw it on YouTube. Fire the missiles. <laughs> it's also assuming that like Russia has no concept of the idea that like deep fakes are a thing. Like I'm pretty sure Russians also know about deep fakes. They exist in the world just like we do. Or is that, or is that one lady at the, um, <clears throat> at the Shasta County board of supervisors accused uh, someone's friends in San Jose of doing was making uh, fake deeps. It's fake deeps. Funny. Fake deeps. I think she was talking about us too. <laughs> <laughs> I think there has to be a fact checker. Uh, take a look at media. When you see a movie, at the end of the movie, there's a disclaimer saying that this movie was fake. All the actors <laughs> are fake. This movie from start to finish is fake. Movies have that. And comic books, I remember when I was a kid, comic books would have... I think he's talking story. about the disclaimer that's like all of these events and people are fictitious. Any resemblance to a real person is only coincidental yeah but like that's so the movie doesn't open itself up to like defamation lawsuits right right 
That's that's a lawyer. That's a law. GB, yeah, like law the, GBT he, wrote that. I think he has a misunderstanding of like why we do that. We don't do that because people are going to go, hey, I'm pretty sure that movie was real. I'm pretty sure there is a, a planet called Pandora with a bunch of big blue aliens on it. And we send some people there. That's like, crazy. No, that, you know, we, everyone knows that that's fake. You know what's weird is that was the first movie <laughs> I thought of was Avatar 2. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know why. <laughs> We're both the same kind of dork, I guess. <laughs> that, yep. that outraged parents. Parents complained to Congress. Congress forced the comic industry to rein in some of the horrible stories it was printing. And today, there's a comic code. That is, the comics are self-regulated. Movies are self-regulated. Rather than having the heavy hand of some bureaucrat try to ride this issue onto a re-election, uh, we're talking. There are actually like a, a lot of regulations about itself comic books sure. and movies. I'm not exactly sure what he means by self-regulated. He means the rating uh, system, HK. I mean, and he's not he's he's not completely wrong. But the thing is, like, <clears throat> what the what the movie what the like what the 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 the, the movie um, companies didn't want to do is end up in court with with um. <clears throat> with a bunch of first amendment cases all the time, right? That's what they didn't want. So they just started rating their movies. Uh, and somebody in the chat told us that the comic code authority folded in 2002. So like he's not wrong in that these they they regulate themselves, but it's just that they're it's just that the they're like, "Oh, these this, you know, it's the rating system. It's G, PG, PG, 13, R and X for movies, and that's self-imposed. It's not government imposed." They agree okay, so they rate themselves. They don't regulate themselves. Like that's not a regulation. You can buy unrated movies. I mean, listen. If that, I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna get like with all the nonsense that we've heard in the first eleven minutes of this. That's not the one I'm gonna get stuck on. Okay, <laughs> I just don't feel okay. like that's a good place for us to get stuck. I just feel like he really should stick to physics. Oh, I bet he's when he gonna- talks about other things. He tends to. I mean, just based on the 11 minutes that we've seen so far, when he goes out of his lane, he tends to be incredibly wrong. That's, um, if you remember last week, remember the gurometer? That's galaxy brain. That's galaxy brainness. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You remember this guy's, this guy's galaxy yep. brain factor is off the chart. <laughs> well, I'm an expert in one field, so I must be an expert yeah, in all fields. That, I have a Tesla that... Uh, if I instructed it, you know, please navigate to LAX in the fastest possible route, and it took me up on sidewalks to b- mow down pedestrians, it would be, you know, a New York minute before the regulatory state jumped all over Tesla and stopped the production. Are you saying that's what it doesn't do? Right. <laughs> right. So technology is a double-edged sword. Any technology is like that. One side cuts against ignorance, poverty, disease, and riches society, but the other side of the sword can cut against people. And so this is a very powerful technology. You know, it, it's, if some a teenager impersonates Vladimir Putin and declares war on NATO, uh, we're in big trouble. No, we're not. The, the no. teenagers are not going to do that. But like, also, like Photoshop has existed for like 30 years at this point. Like, we're all used to images being faked. And I just don't know why, like, why is it, what is, there's a, I guess there must be just some really evil teenager that they've both met. <laughs> <laughs> like, I just and think so they're sure grumpy old men. 
sure that it is self-regulated. And that's where quantum computers come in. I talked to several computer scientists and they say that a lot of their computers are not up to speed. That is fact checking such a volume of statements being put on chatbots is beyond the capability. Can I meet these computer scientists that you met? That you can we let him finish or? what he's saying here? Because I think he's going to say something really stupid again. Oh, we okay. need a new generation of computers, quantum computers, that would help to regulate some of the nonsense that goes on the internet. So yep, fact- that's he just said the stupid thing I thought he was going to say. Does he not think that once quantum computing becomes ubiquitous, that people are going to use it in <laughs> all of a sudden it's just going to be used for good and not that it's not going to be used to create the kind of nonsense that he thinks that it's supposed to regulate? <laughs> <laughs> also, I, I don't think quantum computers would be any better than classical computers at that kind of computation oh but let's just say let's just say that they potentially could be the that this is the this is the dumb idea that the next technology is going to save us right it's not it's just going to be like every other technology like you just said fucking 30 seconds ago in the video that you could use it for good and bad well it's when those become ubiquitous they're going to be used for good things and bad things just like every other fucking technology yep supposedly they make breaking rsa a lot easier which are in are literally our entire like they're not talking about that. Like we, like we, we're, we're, we're really. We have to. I want to kind of stay focused on this, what they're talking about. Okay. <laughs> Fact checking, I think, is the way to go. Yeah, I agree. Okay, quantum computing. Yeah, but uh, a computer is not going to be a good fact checker. Like yeah. pretty much, I can, I can pretty much guarantee you, a computer might be good at like determining how likely it is for something to be AI generated, but it's not going to be good at determining like whether a thing is true or not and like what if what if it what if because it's a quantum fact checker all that needs to happen is quantum bullshit (laughs) (laughs) you know what i'm saying this is this is quantum true this is which is the same thing as quantum false so (laughs) good luck determining that Uh, Feynman famously said, no one understands quantum physics. Okay, if Feynman says that, then what hope is there for me? None. <laughs> so, kind of walk us through what is quantum physics and, and what would a quantum computer be like and how would it differ from... I swear, I thought he was saying Biden at first. He was saying Feynman. Yeah. Well, I was like, Biden? Biden's not a quantum physicist. For example. I think if you think about it, it can spin this way, but imagine for the moment it could also spin this way. And so a spinning top would have two modes, up and down, which can be related to zeros and one. And that's it. That's all that we have with computer power. Now imagine that this thing can rotate and rotate at any angle simultaneously. How much more powerful is that? How many more states do we have to integrate over? Infinite number. We have infinite number of states that the top can orient itself surpassing the power of any digital computer, which computes on zeros and ones, zeros and one. And about two years ago, there was a race, and the, the quantum computer in China, and also at Google, met the challenge. They beat a standard supercomputer at a certain select uh, question. So in other words, we have already achieved quantum supremacy. That is, quantum computers on select problems 
can exceed the capability of any digital computer. But that's stupid too, because he's just saying that what the, they're better at what they're better at. Yeah, there was a very, very important clause in that sentence. Right. <laughs> at a thing, basically, they're better at what they're better at. Yeah, at certain tasks. Yeah. And, uh, that's, and I, that's, that's what a new tool is for. Right? I feel like, like any that, new tool is for a certain task. Like, those tasks, right now at least, absolutely do not include ai right <clears throat> like most of what most of the most of the compute like for ai is being done by gpus yes which are classical computers wow okay they are not so quantum it's in not any way <laughs> a couple of order magnitude faster or or better than a current computer it's essentially infinitely more powerful but also he was saying like ones and zeros as if like a computer can only operate on a single one and a single zero. Like computers operate on like more than just one bit at a time. Right. And they're massively parallel, especially GPUs. Yeah. Like there's a reason your computer has like 16 billion bytes of memory. <laughs> right. It's because it can operate on like 16 billion bytes worth of stuff at the same time. I mean, at the you know same time, quote unquote. Right. It, like, yeah. It, it, obviously, it's it's not all at the same time, but for our purposes as the user, it's the same time. Yeah. Yeah. You're like most computers are like four to six cores, so your computer can do four to six things at once. Maybe twelve if it has hyper threading, <laughs> but like, uh. It switches between things so fast that you don't even notice. But like, again, like he's trying to say, like, because the bit only has a one and a zero, the computers aren't sufficient. And it's like, yeah, we don't use a single bit. Like, sure, if you break it down, like it's all made out of bits, ones and zeros. But like nothing in the computer is really like nothing, at least meaningful in the computer is really represented by a single bit. And like, yeah, this is, I, I don't think he understands computers very well and that's fine. I mean, at a fundamental level, Absolutely. I don't understand, I don't understand them very well either, but I'm not on here telling you the difference between a quantum computer and a, and a binary computer because I would be like, well, um, um, I don't know, ask a computer scientist and then a computer scientist would be like, ask a different computer scientist. I'm not that kind of computer scientist. <laughs> <laughs> Right. I know a whole lot about classical computers. I don't know a whole lot about quantum computers, but what he's like, the way he's describing a classical computer is ridiculous. Like n no one can look at like a modern laptop and think, gosh, this thing is so limited because it can only operate on one and zero. I don't even know how this stream is happening. Just a one and a zero, Dave. <laughs> and just remember that there's a race. A race, the Chinese are backing what are called optical quantum computers, computing on light beams. In the United States, we use electrons. Uh, Google, IBM, they're computing on electrons in order to do these calculations. And the word Don't worry, Shermer. Uh, fucking Michio Kaku doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about either. Did you see Shermer do that? I don't know. I'm not sure what you're talking about. I don't think Michio <laughs> Kaku does either. Yeah, I'm. I'm also a little confused about what he just said. <laughs> right? No, that's fine. That's fine. 
<laughs> the world economy could eventually be determined by which nation, which company is first to market a, reuse, a usable quantum computer. So there's a lot at stake. Meanwhile, Silicon Valley could become a rust belt. You realize that computers are getting, uh, transistors are getting tinier and tinier. At Christmas time, this means that your toys are twice as powerful as the previous Christmas. That cannot be sustained. Is that Moore's law that your fucking Teddy Ruxpin is fucking twice as annoying for half the money next year? <laughs> is, that, is that right? Is that Moore's law? <laughs> like your toys? I mean, I know what he means. He means that like he's described, he's talking about Moore's law, which is, you know, has more or less been true for longer than people actually expected. Like Moore's law is that you're, yeah. you know, you'll have twice the power for half the money every year or two years or whatever. And it'd be, it'd yeah. because the transistors are getting smaller, but we're getting pretty close to it. We're getting pretty close to like one nanometer now. And I'm, I'm there's like there, there's gotta be like at some point at which you can't, <laughs> you can't anymore. You know, there is, and we are very close to there, but that's what I think that's, you know, people were saying that at a hundred nanometers. So we'll see. Yeah. We're just going to invent like a new way to like create these things that we can pack more of them. Maybe stack them on top of each other. Or maybe maybe 20 atoms across, approximately. In a few more years, it'll be, there'll be five atoms across. At that point, you get leakage, the electron wave falls apart, and you get a short circuit. So in other words, Silicon Valley could become a rust belt. Well, so where would it be? Or maybe you don't have to have a, a, an industrial center like that anymore. Well, Silicon Valley's so, not an industrial center. We don't fucking we we all we all we do make here is IP. Yeah, correct me if I'm wrong, but there are zero foundries in Silicon Valley. Um, I know Global Foundries as a building, but I don't think they're doing. They might be doing like maybe some prototyping there, but yeah, they're, they're, we, there's no big foundries here. Okay, yeah, there's no fat. There's no. I don't think there's any big chip fabs here. Or if there are chip fabs here, they're probably like for. You know, they're probably like at like, you know, 100 nanometers or 150 nanometers for things that are like for maybe for electron or for like, um, like, uh, manufacturing equipment or whatever. Yeah. We're not, we're not fabbing any, uh, GPUs, CPUs, or even the chips like on your, um, network card or anything like that here. Yeah. No. What's going to replace it is quantum computers. And guess what? Guess who's leading the pack? They all have groups studying quantum computers, Microsoft, uh, Honeywell, uh, IBM, uh, Google, all of them have quantum computers prototypes that they're developing. In fact, in two weeks, I'm flying to Santa Barbara, complements of 60 minutes, and we'll be taping, taping with the quantum computer made by Google. Now, remember that these quantum computers are not ready for prime time. They are being sold, but in a limited capacity. And I mean, it's smart enough to want to live in Santa Barbara. Blown quantum computer that can outrace any known computer and perform incredible calculations. That is still maybe 10 or so years away. Mm. Well, I'm here in Santa Barbara, Michio. So let me know when you're, when you're here. So we, can Oh God, uh, nightmare blown rotation. Not far from that, com that, that Google computer. <laughs> yeah. I heard about that here. How is it that, is it, is it, let me, let me rephrase that. You know, I've been hearing these stories about AI and, and it's going to achieve human level consciousness. You know, we're five years away and then the joke is, you know, and, and, and always will be 
Uh, I remember when Eric Drexler's book came out, you know, about based on Feynman's, you know, there's plenty of room at the bottom paper and how we were going to have these little nanobots that can you can inject into your body and it cleans up cancer cells and things like that. But that no, no, you've had people on your show that think that the vaccines have that, Michael. Happened. Is it just because it's a really hard problem and that, say, computer quantum computing will happen, but it's not five years away, it's 50 years away? And, you know, how do you, you know, deal with those kinds of almost sci-fi projections? Well, computing with atoms is really hard. If somebody uh, slips on the floor, burps, coughs, uh, the vibrations from that cough could ruin the whole calculation that you're doing on a quantum computer. How do you get around that? Oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, wait a second. All computations are done with atoms. To near absolute zero. Okay, he means like single atoms at a time. At all, hardly at absolute zero. So what does it look like? A quantum computer looks like a chandelier, a huge chandelier, most of them containing pipes containing liquid helium and other kinds of, of uh, cold liquids. So it takes time to build these things. Now, the Chinese are using optical... And they're very expensive to run. And so they don't have to bring it all the way down to near absolute zero. But you see what the problem is. Now, Mother Nature has quantum computers that compute at room temperature. If you don't believe me, go outside. See the flowers. See the leaves. What? They're all doing quantum mechanical calculations. Mm. No. No, no, yeah, I don't think those are quantum. No. No, I don't know if that's false. <laughs> I, I I don't know uh, I don't know exactly how to uh, debunk that, but I just um what's that? It just sets off my bullshit detector real strong. So life is chemistry. He's talking about chemistry. Uh be a chemical computer basically. Yes. Uh like chemicals are not quantum computers. Uh, I don't know what the fuck he's talking about there, but like your your body doesn't like use a few atoms to to like calculate everything. You have a, a really big brain sitting in your head. Like it's it's quite large and it uses chemistry to perform calculations. That's and that's and he was also talking about like flowers <laughs> I, I don't know have you, have you ever what the fuck does a flower compute you ever you ever you ever met a really smart petunia <laughs> <laughs> i really don't know what he's talking about there like is he talking about like photosynthesis maybe i, I don't like there are th things that are explainable through quantum physics in the realm of chemistry but that doesn't make these things a quantum computer. This is great. I thought I was like, I don't know about this. This is really going to suck. But I, I got to tell you, I'm having a lot of fun. <laughs> this is fucking yeah. This is quantum this is ridiculous. This is the most. This is the most like fire hose of bullshit that we've had in a long time. <laughs> don't worry. He'll uh, he'll go on ancient aliens again soon. Sure. So we know <laughs> it's possible. But right now we're still using liquid helium and different kinds of coolants to do these calculations. So you're right, it'll take a while before we work out the details. Is there any concern about- I really want to know what he meant right there, because I'm just, I'm at a loss. Coolants- For like what he's talking about. What in nature does quantum computations? So you're right, it'll take a while before we work out the details. 
Is there any concern about somebody getting a monopoly on this kind of technology, or are you comforted by the fact that there's so much competition that nobody can actually control it? Well, it's like a horse race. Each horse has a different mode of operation. The Chinese, as I said, use light beams. Wait, no, the horses all have more or less the same mode of operation. They run. Has this guy seen a horse race? They all do the same thing. Does he think there are like horses on bikes and horses in cars? (laughs) Horses on skateboards. You got they all just steam, fucking run. You got your steam-powered horse. You got your fucking nuclear-powered <laughs> horse. You got your internal combustion horse. This is the Segway horse. He's super fancy. <laughs> what the fuck is he talking about? <laughs> oh, fuck. I can't believe we didn't get to this guy till What are we on? Episode 250 almost? 255 or some shit of this? And we never did Michio Kaku? I think that was that's that's possibly one of the greatest things that we've ever <laughs> like that that quote. It's like a horse race. Every horse has a different mode of operation. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> they all run. Let's, that's let's, their mode of operation. Let's, let's let's hear that again. Petition that nobody <laughs> can actually control it. Well, it's like a horse race. Each horse has a different mode of operation. The Chinese, as I said, use light beams. Um, IBM, <laughs> Google, they use electricity. Um, different companies use different modes because, of course, they're all quantum mechanical. There are many, many quantum mechanical devices that Mother Nature has perfected over the eons. And like a so horse? We're in a situation where it's a horse race. <laughs> but just remember that the nation or the company that wins the horse race could control a good chunk of the world economy. That's what's at stake. The world. He also just doesn't understand a horse race because in a horse, like just because you win, like the, this, the, 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 the horse that's in second place still hauls ass, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And correct me if I'm wrong, but there are prizes for like coming in second and third. Yeah, it's not like all the horses just explode when the first one crosses <laughs> the finish line, although it depends on their propulsion system. <laughs> Each one has a different mode of operation, I've heard. <laughs> and guess who's interested in this? The CIA. Mm. The CIA and the FBI documents leaked out from the CIA show clearly. Wait, 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 hold on, hold on a second. Are you telling me that the United States government is interested in breakthrough technology? Also, a document that leaked out of the CIA. I'm sorry, buddy. I think they. I think you don't understand the nature of the CIA. If that document leaked out of the CIA, that's because they wanted you to see it. All right. <laughs> <laughs> they're, op- they're 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 doing obfuscation on you, buddy. They're actually uh, they're actually working on a nuclear powered horse. Turning this situation very <laughs> carefully, and NIST, the government that controls standards, like the old National Bureau of Standards, they e- even issued a directive saying that quantum computers are not here yet, but you got to be prepared because when they do arrive, they can crack any known digital code. The crown jewels, the crown jewels of the CIA are up for grabs once a quantum computer is up and running. So you see what the stakes are. So that he's talking about cracking like RSA and, uh, you know, elliptic curve algorithms. Uh, so yes, that, that could potentially be a big problem. I think this is the first thing that he said that was correct, 
Right, but it it assumes that that new forms of encryption maybe created using quantum computers won't exist. Like it's dumb again. Well, it is an actual problem because if someone were like recording something right now that used uh, like a public key exchange through RSA, uh, that could potentially be replayed in the future and cracked. And, you know, if that information, if that uh, confidential information were still valid in the future, that could be a big issue. Sure. Sure. But I mean, like, I, I just think that I, I, I think it's always going to be cat and mouse. Um, you know, they used to just, you know, we have encryption now that's stronger than it was 30 years ago. So I just feel like I, I, I've been hearing this and I don't think that it's just like all of a sudden, like, you know what I'm saying? I don't think it's going to work like that. I don't think it's like an on off switch. And I think that's the way like a lot of people talk about it. Yeah, I think it'll slowly get broken as uh, yeah, I think you're right. The cat and mouse game, you know, the most advanced encryption will slightly outpace the the best encryption cracking. Uh, kind of how it is right now, you know. The idea of a six month pause on artificial intelligence is pretty ridiculous because none of the countries working on this are going to pause, and none of the companies that are in a race are going to pause. So who's, who is it that's supposed to pause? Yeah. Well, when Elon Musk suggested six months pause on, um, on, uh, AI, it was probably just so that whatever fucking bullshit he thinks he's doing could catch up. It's going to be a problem. Um, however, look at comic books, look at movies, look at a lot of things where copyrights are, you know, kind of vague. Uh, they are policed internally. And so it is possible, but like I said, you're right. Isn't uh, vague. We have a ways to go before we get a uniform code for the whole industry. But every technology has a good side and a bad side. Every technology, without exception, including these technologies and AI. So I think at some point AI has to be self-regulated, or else the government will regulate it for you. Mm-hmm. On the physics of all this, is is it, because I don't really understand it, um, is it possible to have multiple kinds of quantum computers such that there's not one technology that anybody could have a monopoly on because there's different forms of it? That's right. If you take a look at the variety of things around you, it's all quantum. Uh, nature does not use zeros and ones, zeros and one binary. Nature is strictly quantum mechanical. And there are many ways in which you can... I mean, that's kind of what quantum means, though. It means it's quantized. It means you could break it down to zeros and ones if you if you wanted to. Like, if you had infinite computational power, you could break the universe down into just zeros and ones. Its state is uh, describable in quanta, right? This race, but each horse is backing a slightly different version of quantum mechanics. And the creepy thing about this is that each one of these modes is computing in a parallel universe. Now, this means that electrons can be more than one position at any given time. Now, ever since you were a child, your parents told you you cannot be two places at the same time. Well, they lied to you. It turns out that in the quantum world, electrons are always many places at the same time. That's just the name of the game. In other words, why are quantum computers so powerful? 
because they compute on parallel universes. Wait, what? How many parallel universes are there? Infinite. What? What? So Hollywood got it almost mm, right. I don't know if I would put it that way. <laughs> That's a. <laughs> At least if you're going to put it that way, make it clear that like that is not the only interpretation of of this phenomena. Uh, <laughs> And I wouldn't even say that that's the most uh, popular interpretation. <laughs> and, like, I don't understand much about uh, the idea of, like, superposition, which is what he's talking about, but I don't think it requires parallel universes. Yeah, I think he's uh, referencing, like, the many worlds hypothesis of I think he forgot that mechanics. he's not on ancient aliens. But yeah, that uh, uh, I'm not going to disagree with what he says, but I am going to say that that is one interpretation of uh, of the of like quantum mechanics, and there are other interpretations. Uh, all the Oscars were swept up by the multiverse, but hey, what can I say? Uh, the multiverse is the arena in which quantum computers operate. And then the next question I often get is, is Elvis Presley still alive in a parallel universe? And the answer is, well, probably yes. Wait, what? Probably is a parallel universe someplace where... <laughs> okay, we're going to let that, we're going to leave that one alone, all right? We got... <laughs> well, but it wouldn't be him exactly. This is fucking right? wild. <laughs> it would be a different version than our version Elvis, of Elvis Presley. Maybe, it, maybe he'd be blonde instead of uh, brunette or something. <laughs> that's possible. You go crazy thinking about it. You know, when I look in a mirror... No, that's not possible. That would mean he had different DNA, so it wouldn't be Elvis Presley. What? What the fuck? <laughs> this is so fucking crazy. What is this interview? <laughs> <laughs> Seeing myself as I really am, I'm seeing myself, first of all, a billionth of a second ago, because that's what it takes for light to go from my face to the mirror to my eyes, about a billionth of a second. But there are infinite versions of me, some of which go outside, some of which go to the kitchen, some of which go into a car or the subway system. And here I am thinking that I'm the only game in town, that I'm the only... So the obvious question, and I don't think Shermer's going to ask it, is... What the fuck are you talking about? I think the obvious question is like, why would this matter at all? Like, <laughs> let's say it is true. Let's say that, you know, every event in quantum mechanics splits off into like infinitely many uh, universes uh, and where every possible outcome happens in some universe. Like that well, movie, we're all Final living in one universe, so it's like that, that doesn't matter. It's like that movie, Final Destination. Uh, did they have a multiverse in Final Destination? Never mind. Me. Okay. I think we have to revise the word me. What does me mean if you can have parallel universes? Well, but these are all at quantum level effects, not at right. the macro level where we live, right? I mean... <clears throat> Whether the moon exists or not, 
I mean, is is not an appropriate question for the macro level. It, it's there whether I look at it or not, but that's different at the quantum level where the observation does make a difference. Well, I asked Steve Weinberg, uh, the Nobel Prize winner. So it's not the observation that this is a like this is a a, a common misconception. It's not that a person is there looking at it. It's the interaction with the equipment used to observe it. Right. The <clears throat> the observer effect doesn't mean that like like, <clears throat> like I used to think this one DJ named Dragonfly, if she just looked at a record, she could slow it down. Uh, that's not the observer effect. That was just me being <laughs> on a lot of drugs at a rave, thinking she just gave a record a dirty look and the beats were matched up again. Like... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, see, these guys have that same, uh, these guys are on that same level, but without the drugs even. I don't know, maybe they are on drugs. Michael Shermer's blown his nose a lot. Maybe he did a bunch of cocaine before He this. gave the following analogy. <laughs> Think why would you not cut away to the other camera? The radio. How many frequencies are there in your living room? Hundreds of different kinds of radio frequencies are there, but your radio has decohered from the other frequencies only vibrates in unison with the radio station that you're listening to. Now, replace all the radio waves with electron waves, all the possible orientation of electrons. So in your living room, there are, in principle, the electrons of dinosaurs, pirates, aliens from out of space, asteroids from it's all space. frequencies all man yeah this is the the idea of like dinosaur pee like every from them every no drop of water you've ever drank was that. once dinosaur piss for all right intents and purposes sure. you can't visit elvis presley it means of course it's theoretically possible but it's not practical it's not technically true because you could create new water combine hydrogen and oxygen then it wouldn't have been dinosaur piss well i'm glad we cleared that up <laughs> or filtered it. That's, you know what? We need to start a company where we create our own water and sell it with the promise that it's never been dinosaur piss. Boy, that's that's great. I'm sure. I'm uh, excellent. <laughs> I'm going to patent that idea. That's my idea. Don't steal it. <laughs> Calculate the probability that you'll wake up on Mars. Now, when you do the calculation, you find out that you have to wait longer than the lifetime of the universe for that to happen. But it's not zero. So in principle, it may be possible to wake up on Mars. However, I wouldn't bet on it. The easiest way to wake up on Mars is to travel to Mars. And that's very hard. Yeah. So mm -hmm. here, you know, you look in the mirror. Who are you looking at? What is the self? You know, you have this. It's very hard if you want to wake up. Quantum computers. Once you get there. Help us achieve that. And it's easy if you don't mind dying on the way. So for this reason, yeah. <laughs> uh, I define the self as the, your point of view. Well, not self. easy, but less hard. Eyes, experiencing life from moment to moment to moment. There is a break when you go to sleep and you wake up or general anesthesia, you wake up. But after death, it, the process is over. It's gone. A digital copy of you is just that. It's just a copy. It, you're not having, you're not experiencing anything. You're gone. And so you're you ever got, really, did you ever get high in a dorm room and fucking talk until like three in the morning? Cause that's what this reminds me of. <laughs> They're talking about like dualism now. This, this is ridiculous. It's like, you know, man, have you ever like, did you ever, did you ever wonder like if that pizza, like, is it really a circle man? <laughs> <laughs> what if we made the pizza a triangle? Would it still be pizza? Hey, when you cut a, a, a piece of it, it's almost a triangle. It's still pizza. Is it though? 
that are say having a conversation with digital Michio Kaku because we've uploaded all the uh, lectures you've ever given and every audio book you've read and everything about you. No, 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 no. This, this is, this is incorrect. What he's talking about is just like a, an, an AI that can reproduce like the patterns that are you, you know, it's studies you and reproduces your patterns. No, no, no. That's not what people talk about when they're like uploading your consciousness into the, the computer. Right. They're, they're talking, talking about, about that episode like, of the X-Files um, called Kill Switch, where the guy fucking uploads himself to the to the Internet. And then like his girlfriend uploads herself to the Internet and smoke comes out of her eyes afterwards. That's what they're talking about, right? Probably. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't seen that episode, but that's that sounds. Yes. What I'm talking about causes smoke to come out of your eyes. Yeah. <laughs> well, there we go. <laughs> but yeah, the, like what they're what they're talking like what people mean by like uploading your consciousness to a computer is like uploading the state of your brain and then like continuing the processes that your brain go through that your brain goes through, but in the computer. That's not like just modeling an LLM after everything you've ever said. Right, right. <clears throat> otherwise, like otherwise, like that, that the wisdom of Chopra website would just be of uh, uploading. Uh, we would have just uploaded Deepak Chopra into that instead of it having to make up dumb things that Deepak Chopra said. <laughs> <laughs> My fucking god, what is this? A relatively thoughtful conversation with you, but you're not conversing with anybody. It's just the digital copy of you, so that's not you. I agree. I mean, that's like a a question of a digital copy. But a quantum copy, a quantum copy would be more or less identical to you. The memories, the personality quirks, uh, the, the figures of speech, uh, they would all be identical to you. And you would exist in parallel universes, but you cannot enter them because we're very big. We consist of... Okay, so here's a, here's a question for Michio. Quantum copy, digital copy, right? If I can take the quantum copy and encode it digitally, do I not ha have a digital copy of the quantum state of a person? And if I could then take that digital copy and decode it into a person, wouldn't I have perfectly copied that person? Unfortunately, he's not here to answer your question. So, and I understand your question was rhetorical. Yeah, like he's he's making this difference where there is none. Like a digital copy doesn't mean like you know an LLM that's trained on your data. It like digital copy just means whatever you're trying to encode encoded digitally. Right. It's like um, <clears throat> I mean, we do it with music, we do it with video, we do it with all kinds of things, and it is a copy of the thing. This yeah. would just be a far more complicated. And in, in Michio Kaku's case, possibly more, more infuriating uh, copy. <laughs> yep. And especially when we're talking about audio, we can record audio perfectly. Like if you have, um, if you have like uh, an audio source that you want to record up to a certain frequency, like say 24 kilohertz, which is higher than almost every human can hear. All you have to do is record it in, at a 48 kilohertz sampling rate. And if your microphone is picking up that sound, you're recording an exact copy. 
there's no fundamental difference between like the playback of that copy and the playback of the original. But have you ever gotten uh, like stoned? Like, have you ever got stoned in a dorm room and listened to vinyl, man? I have. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's fucking great. <laughs> Holy shit, it's so good. <laughs> but vinyl is different, you know. It's it it hits different than digital. Like with digital, you could get like the perfect copy, but vinyl isn't a perfect copy, and that's why it's nice. You know that that's what makes it better. Is it's not perfect. It's vinyl, and it's not quantum either. <laughs> yeah, it's not quantum. It's vinyl. And unsurprisingly, <laughs> that's a lot. That's a lot. Of now, here's a real question: Could you take so a we, person and copy them onto vinyl? He cannot freely move between these universes, like in the Hollywood movies, which won all the Oscars uh, this year. Uh, however, theoretically, it's possible. And at the atomic level, electrons do it all the time. It's called lasers. It's called GPS. All the wonders of electronic technology are due to the fact that electrons can be two places at the same time. Now, if you don't like it, get used to it. That's just the way. <laughs> Wait, you don't like it? What, are there people mad at it? Okay, I understand. Uh, <laughs> but could you explain? We're here, but we're also there. Get used to it. <laughs> oh, man. Or what decoherence means? Well... Everything is made out of electrons and subatomic particles, and they vibrate. They vibrate at a certain frequency. When something vibrates in unison with that frequency, then you can make a transition between these objects. So in principle, if there was a parallel universe right next to you, which was vibrating in unison with your parallel universe, then you can move between these universes. Now, in practice, of course, you get decoherence. Something that is in phase eventually falls out of phase, and you can no longer make the transition between these universes. All right, now I don't know what the fuck he's talking about. And that's why we call them lasers. They are coherent. They vibrate in unison with each other. So in other words, to go to a parallel universe, you would have to vibrate at the same frequency as that universe. What? And that is extremely hard to do, except at the atomic level, where electrons do it all the time, and it's called electronics. <laughs> okay. So he's saying that electronics work because electrons are passing through parallel universes all the time. I, I, I think that's what he said. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't want to. Man, we're gonna get a lot of, we're gonna get a lot of negative feedback on this episode because people are gonna <laughs> be like, people are gonna be like, you don't understand parallel universes, and I'd be like, oh, all right, cool. I'll, I'll cop to I'm that. just trying to interpret what he said here. What he said is nonsensical. Like it. <laughs> that's as far as I understand electronics, they do not require parallel universes that vibrate in frequency and if i could have uh, maybe i missed that chapter and and, and if he and, if he didn't mean that he did a really bad job of explaining that he didn't mean that yeah because that's what i interpreted what he just said to mean and as far as I know, that's incorrect. I am perfectly willing to be corrected if it actually does turn out that electronics require parallel universes that vibrate in frequency to, to work. 
Uh, but as far as I know, there's no evidence of that. Uh, by the way, uh, on quantum computers at that very low temperature, so at, at, at close to zero, there's no molecular activity, right? So like with cry when I read about cryonics, how does this prevent you from decaying? Because the molecules have stopped. But the atoms don't stop whatever they're doing, jiggling or whatever atoms do. Uh, yeah, uh, because of the Heisenberg uncertainty principle, you cannot reach absolute zero. Absolute zero is not attainable according to the first law of thermodynamics. You can get close. You can clo get close uh, to within one h-bar of zero, but you can never reach absolute zero. So how does Mother Nature do all these quantum mechanical calculations? Everything you see around you, you know, medicine, plants, food, uh, the universe, it's all quantum mechanical. These quantum mechanical things so wait, he said, operate at room temperature. He said nature, and then he described medicine. Yeah. Medicine <clears throat> is not natural. Well. We uh, invented if, medicine. When, <clears throat> if it exists in the natural world, technically it's natural, right? <laughs> but I guess, maybe. I don't know. We invented medicine. Sure. We can't do that yet. Because nature is very fast. Nature is so fast with these chemical processes that atoms don't have time to move and become decoherent. And so that's why we have photosynthesis. Photosynthesis is made possible as a quantum effect. And this is the practical application of quantum computers, medicine. It turns out that all medicine... Okay, I understand what, he's, what he was saying earlier. He was saying... Uh, Mother Nature has quantum computers because quantum effects happen in nature. Therefore, that is a quantum computer. So his definition of quantum computer includes anything that has quantum effects going on within it. So I'm going to have to disagree with his definition of a quantum computer. I don't think that's what a quantum computer is. And I don't think if you asked people that they would say that that is what a quantum computer is, like the majority of people. Cancer. So now I understand, though, that he was. Why are these diseases incurable? Being metaphorical, because I guess. How do we create wonder drugs? We take thousands of petri dishes, put a little bit of poison or uh, these bacteria in these petri dishes, hit it with different chemicals by the thousands. And then cross your fingers. That's how we make wonder drugs. Wait, what? That's why it costs a billion dollars to make one wonder drug. Mother Nature does it for free. You're talking about antibiotics? You have to learn from Mother Nature. And that's where quantum computers are coming in. Quantum computers, we think, can create quantum medicine. That is to create, for example, the disease uh, called Alzheimer's is the disease of the century. Now we realize that looking at the molecular structure of the amyloid protein, there are at least two kinds of amyloid proteins. One twists clockwise, and the other twists counterclockwise. And only the right twist causes Alzheimer's. Oh, this is this is where <clears throat> this is where he needs the uh, the, 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 the the paper towel roll. The left twist does not, which means that if a quantum computer can separate the left and the right versions we may have a potential cure for Alzheimer's disease. 
So diseases don't think you need a quantum computer to do that, though. Like, how are you going to filter all the proteins in your body through a quantum computer? That, yeah, the thing is, like, I, the, the, like, I don't know. I don't know. And I also think that, like, I think what's going on here in, in some ways is this idea that because this guy's like a, a quantum physicist that everybody knows that he is, that he has knowledge in the area of like computer science. And I, I don't think that's true. I think that's, that's definitely not true. That's, I think, that's, I think he I think, means nanobots. Like if a nanobot can determine that like, Oh yes, this is a, this is a wrongly twisted protein, a prion, right? Are those called sure. prions? Sure. Okay. So yeah, if it can determine, yeah, this is a, a prion, kill it. Uh, then We're yeah, you could hear it. But that's not that's quantum computers. Like that's something that involves quantum mechanics, sure, but it's not quantum computers. I think he just has this idea of like the word computer meaning something that is completely different than what the rest of us would think the compu- the word computer means. Man. Yeah, that was a thoughtful personal story you told about your mother in the book. And uh, yeah, we baby boomers are going to be experiencing that soon. So I hope this quantum revolution happens <laughs> much sooner than the 20 years away and always will be kind of a meme about that. Um, so the problem that you're describing here is that these are hard problems to solve, like the problem of consciousness, so-called hard problem of consciousness. In what way do you think consciousness could be quantum? Uh, you know, there are theories about this, quantum consciousness. that They haven't panned yeah, out. Yeah, but you heard them from Deepak Chopra. Quantum computers to simulate it. Well, personally, I, I don't think you need to invoke all of quantum mechanics to get quantum consciousness. I think, I think for example, that there's a continuum of consciousness I say that one unit of consciousness is one feedback loop that understands where you are in the environment, like a flower. I say that a flower is conscious. A flower has maybe two or three units of consciousness to detect carbon dioxide, water, and sunlight. So a flower has an intelligence of three units. Then we have an alligator. An alligator understands space. It has a a unit of maybe a few hundred, a few hundred feedback loops that allow the alligator to understand where it's located in three dimensions. Beyond that, we have the monkey. The monkey has social consciousness. It knows the hierarchy of who's the boss in the tribe, who is my friend, who can I gang up with, so on and so forth. That's social consciousness. And then the question is, where do we fit in this thing? Do we have spatial consciousness? Do we have social consciousness? What kind of consciousness that separates us from the animals? I we are an animal. We have <laughs> time travel. We are literally animals. So I do like machine. this description of consciousness, and it also leads to the conclusion that we can create computers that are conscious because nothing he described has to be unique to humans. You know, even the things that make us unique, like understanding language better than than any other animal, uh, being able to pass knowledge down across 
many generations better than any other animal. Like those could apply to computers as well. So constantly run yeah. simulations of the future. What do you do when you daydream? What do you do when you think about the future? Let's do an experiment. Talk to your dog tonight and teach your dog the meaning of tomorrow. I've tried. <laughs> you can't. You can't. Well, it, the, the problem might, <clears throat> this is the, uh, the, the problem is the being a, the dog might have a concept of days. You don't know. The problem is being able to speak to the dog. You, that, that's the, yes. that's the, that's the, the, the primary problem that I would have. <clears throat> maybe an animal, yeah, uh, be, maybe an dog. animal behaviorist, animal, somebody studying animal, be, animal behavior might know whether or not a dog understands like days, but it certainly can't communicate it to me. So there's the, the that's the problem there. It isn't so much whether or not <clears throat> it's, I don't know whether or not the dog has a sense of what tomorrow is. I would have to guess that it probably does, but it wouldn't be able to communicate that to me. So yeah, or at to, least it has the, the concept of like day night cycles, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I think most animals have the concept of day night cycles because most animals no, all animals. All animals sleep. And it's not like it freaks us out. It's not like your dog goes to sleep and like wakes up freaking out like, where was I for the past eight hours? It's a time machine. That's all it does. It looks at different scenarios of the future. So I think that intelligence is the ability to simulate many, many uh, roads to the future. And someone who is not so intelligent only can see the future in a very, very crude way a safe cracker, a master criminal, they can see way into the future because they can simulate, simulate human behavior and simulate the future. So I think the key to consciousness is that we have a time machine. That's a weird example. Don't. Otherwise, we're both conscious. I say a flower is even conscious. Uh, you know, two or three units of consciousness. We have maybe a few thousand units of consciousness as we simulate the future. So I don't like the idea of like consciousness being like measured in units of consciousness because that's silly. Like something that has like the same number of units of consciousness could act completely different than something else. So I think that that idea is bad. It's uh, it, it not useful. Uh, but yes, consciousness is exist. It exists on like a gradient, you know, something can be like quite conscious like humans are and something can be barely conscious. Like maybe a worm is like barely conscious. I like that. I like that a lot. What about panpsychism? You know, this glass of water has some consciousness, although it's very limited. What? I, to me, that feels like it's going too far. I can see your, you know, the flower has three degrees. I would say the glass of water is unconscious. <laughs> does that glass of water have? Zero. Um, yeah. And the smallest number of feedback loops would be in a plant that has maybe three, let's say, three units of feedback loops. And uh, then you go up the scale. You can give a number, a number of how conscious an animal is by calculating how many feedback loops it has in order to create a picture, a model of itself. Well, what about like a virus that literally only has like one feedback loop? Smooth spectrum. Oh, my, my outer protein touched another, like a, a protein that it fits into. A giant leap. Inject myself. Uh, say from chimps to humans, 
in which there's something more than a quantitative difference, there's a qualitative difference in sentience? I don't think so. I don't think it's that big because even chimpanzees, uh, they dream to a degree. It's not much, but they do look into the future. They do plan. And uh, that, I think, is the hallmark of our intelligence. Our intelligence is temporal. I also think, like, the way he's describing it with, like, feedback um, loops of interactions with, the, with its environment, like, computers have that. Intelligence, but like, a computer has feedback loops of, like, when you stop giving it power, it will eventually, like, turn itself off to, like, conserve its battery, right? Yes. But those are sensors. Or, like, it might sensors. brighten its screen when it's in... Yeah, but like that's a feedback loop. So he's saying that like these feedback loops equal consciousness. So does that mean a computer is like just as conscious as a flower or something? Like I, I'm his description of like units of consciousness and feedback loops are is not useful. A computer to me is not conscious at all. Like it shares some qualities with things that are conscious, but the computer isn't like thinking and making decisions on its own. I feel like my computer is getting pretty angry at this episode of the intellectual dollar tree. Actually. <laughs> intelligence. And that's what separates us from them. Now, when we meet aliens from outer space, it's often said that they're going to be more intelligent than us. Now, what does that mean? I think it means that they see the future much clearer than us. They have a better understanding of the laws of nature. And therefore, That's so weird. Run the videotape, run the videotape into the future much more accurately than us. So I think that if we meet aliens who are smarter than us, what does that mean to be smarter than us? It means that they see the future much clearer than we see the future. So he's saying that intelligence equals being able to predict, uh, like physics. So I think he means being able, <clears throat> being able to like model what the future could hold. I don't think he, I'm going to try to be, I'm trying to be charitable here because I've been making fun of him the whole time and we're, we're, we're getting to the, get to the end of the podcast portion of this show. So I'm going to try to be a little charitable here. I think he means <clears throat> the ability to model what the future could be like, like we all make, that's how we make decisions, right? Based on what, based basically modeling what those decisions could cause the future to hold for us. And I think that's okay. what he's probably saying. Okay. But he could just say that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would be easier. Cause I don't think that like it, first of all, if somebody tells me they can see the future, I assume I'm smarter than they are <laughs> because I know that I cannot see the future. <laughs> that it is it is it is probably not it is probably and i'm very very probably not possible to see the future um because it has not happened yet but i think yeah what i think he means is the ability to like consider different models of what the future might hold based on the the actions you take or the decisions that you make and i i okay. think that and he was maybe giving physics as like one example of that sure okay and and the thing about the aliens is I don't know that if they if they were to say show up here on Earth if they would be more intelligent than us right it would mean that they ha are have better technology better better ability to travel they have 
have more experience harnessing whatever it is in the universe to uh, create energy to move about the universe. So yeah, it would probably mean they're more knowledgeable than us. Certainly, and they 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 may have probably more raw, certainly they, and, certainly and, probably, and it may be that they they do have more raw like problem solving horsepower as like a species than we do. It could be, it could be, but then we'd have to introduce them to Charles Murray, and he'd have to tell them about the bell curve, and like things would get real messy real quick. But hopefully, <laughs> they'd use their laser eyes to zap Charles Murray, and that would be good. <laughs> they just. Uh... They'd just use their, they'd probably be on like chat GPT 25 and they'd, they just let that handle him. <laughs> so um, I guess we're going to end it here. And um, I'm not uh, confident that I want to watch any more of this in the post game. <laughs> <laughs> this is highly entertaining. Uh, the guy is, is uh, wrong about a lot of things. Or at least his examples are, I would say, his examples are need, needlessly complicated and oftentimes useless. And he was totally wrong <laughs> about like the way a horse works. <laughs> <laughs> and the way computers work, too. Yeah, and the yeah. way LLMs work. He's like, yeah, here's he's how, just wrong about a lot of things. The be- I'm sorry. That he my started th- to float more in his lane towards the end there. And it... I feel like it became less interesting when he was not making absolutely bonkers claims about how things work. I just liked that he <laughs> said that the horses uh, uh, might all use different uh, pr- propulsion systems. Essentially, that was that was that was fucking gold. It <laughs> was solid fucking gold. I yep. I I want to be on the horse that's using roller skates. <laughs> oh, that would be the most. That would be the most awesome horse. It would be doing roller disco. <laughs> <laughs> roller disco horse <laughs> roller disco horse.com is the name of my new blog <laughs> i thought you were going to say the new your uh your uh, disco punk band <laughs> yep it's my new blog my new band and my new podcast all in one i went to a, a rave disco that for some odd reason was called oh shit there's a horse in the hospital and um they should have said oh shit there's a roller disco horse in the hospital because that would have been much better <laughs> Would have been a much better. It looks like rollerdisco.horse is available, so you could go buy that domain name right now, <laughs> and the, I and then maybe sell it to Michio Kaku. <laughs> anyway, uh, HK, do you want to read the show out? Yes. So this has been the Intellectual Dollar Tree. We do this show every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Pacific live on twitch.tv slash echoplex. If you want to check us out live after the show, we do Red Light. Uh, And if you want to support us, you can do that on patreon.com slash echoplex. And you can also do it on eplex.store. Shop? Store. Which is it? Dot store. Eplex.store. I can never remember that. Uh... And uh, if you want to check out our other shows, you can find them all at echoplexmedia.com. This is Boomers by Periscope, and we'll see you after for Red Light.
Sunday, 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 right here on twitch.tv slash Echoplex Media. It's the Plex, 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Pacific and on into red light. We have the worst news in the week that no one else will cover. The Plex has it all. Conspiracy, right-wing nut jobs, Christian extremism, and Madison Star Moon. Tune in every Sunday at 7 p.m. Pacific at twitch.tv slash Echoplex Media and find our full schedule at Echoplex Media dot com.